Well, this is not related to meditation, but uh, related to what we are doing here. Uh, in one of the prayers, I saw may the evil effects of stars, Nakanta, and bad uh, planets, Papagga, uh, wield off. Did the Buddha believe in stars and astrology? Uh, no. This is not the Buddha's own statements. These are later teachers who uh, compose these things and we uh, follow them. But if uh, Buddha were to come today, he would uh, gain us for using that. I plan to attend a six-week uh, retreat. How would you recommend practicing six Satipadana and O Anapanasati? One week of one and the other mix and uh, blend. Entire retreat. I don't know. I know. I'm not conducting that six-week retreat. And if you are under a teacher, you ask the teacher, he will tell you, I recommend you to stay with one. <coughs> Anapanasati Sutta is a complete Sutta. With all. If you don't understand these things, that will be very difficult. Uh, just reading Sutta, like reading a novel or a newspaper and throw away, you don't know anything, you don't, you cannot practice. If you read one sutta very, very carefully, mindfully, slowly, line by line and remember, then that sutta is enough. I think Anapanasati sutta is a very good one if you understand it well. If you don't understand, you go to the longer one, uh, Satipattana, Mahasatipattana, that would give you details. So you select whichever you feel comfortable. <coughs> and I would, I recommend use only one of them. Mahasatipattana has a section from Anapana. Anapana is a very profound, subtle discourse. I think detailed discourse may work for you. Use Mahasatipattana. Is all desire necessarily problematic for Buddhists? If there are a, a difference between ordinary desire, which is uh, human, and uh, craving which is a source of suffering. <coughs> Desire uh, has two sides, two aspects, wholesome desire and unwholesome desire. Both are human. You will never find divine desire or any other desire, all human. 
wholesome desire and unwholesome desire, the two kinds of desires. Unwholesome desire is desire to perpetuate desire, increase desire. Wholesome desire is desire to be desireless. So we cultivate wholesome desire to be desireless. That is a very gradual process. Don't try to eliminate it overnight in one sitting. It takes many, many, many years, even lifetimes, to get rid of it. <coughs> Since you have studied the jhanas as an expert for many decades, can you recommend other teachers of jhana who are who you think have uh, accurate understanding and uh, effective teaching <coughs> methodology with which to engage in longer retreats. In fact, I don't know all the teachers who teach jhana. I have not uh, had any discussion with them. I only heard uh, there are many teachers' conferences which I don't attend, uh, therefore I don't know much about these teachers. <coughs> uh, your uh, best bet is reading. You read. I have written several books, and if anybody has written books on jhana, you read them and uh, compare. Uh, my book, uh, Path of Serenity and Insight, uh, has been reprinted about 15, 16 times. And The Jhana is a small booklet, uh, printed also many times. And the last one is Beyond Mindfulness. These three books I recommend you to read, where I have explained Jhana very clearly. If you find somebody has written even more clear jhana books, clearer than mine, you read them and compare. Uh, other than that, I cannot tell any, recommend any particular teacher because I don't know them. There is one more, I think, uh, uh, I think Ayakema's book. Uh, what is the title? Who is myself? Yeah, you read that book. That's a German bhikkhuni. First I learned Vipassana then Samatha, now Jane, I have read the first chapters of uh, meditation on perception. Uh, what uh, mix of these techniques contributes good practice? Uh, meditation on perception is the latest in the series. Uh, I deal with ten perceptions. Uh, you got to read the book to understand it, and of course it should be should have been in more detail. But uh, because the limitations of 
the words that I have to use in writing, uh, it has cut down. Uh, but all the necessary things are there. If somebody is interested in uh, reading and practicing meditation on perception, uh, where other techniques also are included, like mindfulness of breathing, is one uh, perception. So, almost summary of mindfulness of breathing is given there. I think uh, you rec- I recommend that uh, because it has given uh, uh, the, uh, the technique, the, the practice, the method. Can you suggest some uh, techniques so the reflection on uh, uh, recurring unwholesome thoughts isn't just an intellectual exercise which with, uh, while meditating, or are there no techniques and uh, it is meant to be more intuitive? Uh, you know, I am not teaching a technique. There are some teachers who teach techniques, uh, but uh, I, uh, what I discussed during this retreat is my technique. So if you follow that, I think that would be very good uh, uh, way of practicing. Uh, other than that, I have not uh, invented a particular technique. It appears Vitaka and Vichara, uh, Vitaka and Vaki Sankara to be very important in that they set the mood of the mind. However, in Madhupindika Sutta, Vedana appears before Vitaka. On the other hand, in one metta, metta meditation, Vitaka seems to be, seems to appear before feelings. That is, with the thought, may all be happy, the heart uh, becomes warm. Why is this apparent reversal in a sequence? Now, Madhupindika Sutta does not give meditation uh, sequence, sequence of meditation technique. Meditation. Mind, Madhupindika Sutta gives the sequence of occurrence of various states. Uh, that is, Chakkuncha Vikri Patiti Rupechu Padi Chakku Vinyana, Tinna Sangati Pasu, Pasu Pacha Vedana, Yang Vedeti San Sanjanati, Yang Tang Sanjanati Tang Vitakketi, Tato Nidana Purisang Vitakka Sanya Sankha Samudachanati Atita Nagata Pachu Pangesu. In that Madhupindaka Sutta. That is because due to eyes, visual objects, consciousness arise depending on these three contact, depending on contact arises feelings. Then 
uh, after feeling we perceive, after perceiving we think. And depending on thinking, all kind of uh, mental uh, uh, proliferation rise and so forth. Uh, that is the way how Madhupindaka Sutta explains things. Uh, that actually how, is, how things happen. So when we meditate, uh, you may think or reflect on this to see the sequence of events. And uh, Vitaka Vichara in meditation practice does not follow that system. It follows your breathing and then uh, overcoming hindrances and then uh, uh, Vitaka appears uh, as a natural uh, uh, development. So uh, Madhupindika Sutta technique is uh, more theoretical, intellectual understanding of how things are happening. Jhana uh, practice meditation uh, that we discussed this week is a practical way of doing it. That is the difference. Otherwise uh, there is no any uh, discrepancy between these systems. One is uh, the theory, intellectual uh, way of explaining how things happen. Other is how to put our experience into practice. Are the jhanic factors, mindfulness, concentration at their climax in supramundane jhanas as they are in the fourth mundane jhanas? And uh, uh, teachers can be used to support uh, uh, to approve the hindrances. Yes. Therefore, yeah. And therefore, can be used to approve the hindrances. Now, you approve hindrances when you have uprooted fetters. Uh, as I mentioned, fetters are underlying hindrances. Uh, I have used uh, uh, a simile of bamboo, bamboo plants. Uh, I think those who have been here, yes, they know my explanation. Somebody planted bamboo plant by my window outside. Then I said, don't do that because it will grow very fast Then it will block my, wind, my view. And he did not listen. He said, no, this is not Sri Lanka, this is America. Bamboo will not grow like in Sri Lanka and so forth. He planted. Believe me, after about a year, as I predicted, my window was completely blocked. <laughs> You can see bamboo here growing outside. So I told him, this is what I told you, now you have to remove it. So he started digging, digging and removing and removed. After about six months they grew back again. <laughs> then he got a bulldozer and the bulldozer place and remove it. And another six, seven months grew again. <laughs> then there came a woman very strong woman to stay here 
One morning after breakfast she started digging. Every inch she dug and then found this long root and she removed it after that it did not go anymore. Now hindrances are like those bamboo plants. Fetters are like the bamboo root. The root, the underground there is a network of roots. From this network of roots shoots come up. And these shoots, the plants coming out, growing up on the ground, are like hindrances. So you cut them by attaining jhanas and they grow again. Again you attain jhana, cut them and they grow again. It is just like cleaning a place when there is a dust here, you sweep it and then it comes back again, you sweep and mop it and then again come back, then you dig the place and put concrete. Similarly, when you attain supramundane jhanas, what you do, you eliminate the root, you attain mundane jhanas to remove five hindrances temporarily. It is a just temporary patch-up, bandage, but you go to do the real surgery to remove the root. That surgery you do when you attain supramundane jhanas. So the roots are ten. They are uh, belief in permanent self, uh, doubt, and believing in attainment or liberation by following rules and rituals, greed, hatred, desire for existing in fine material form, desire for existing in material form, uh, restlessness, conceit and ignorance. These are the ten fetters. From these ten fetters, as long as these ten fetters exist, hindrances grow out of them. So by attaining mundane jhanas, what you do temporarily remove hindrances. And their roots are in these ten fetters, which you destroy by attaining supramundane attainment. I think that is how you do it. Otherwise you cannot remove hindrances completely. Uh, could you speak about the role of fear with the hindrances? I only have spoken about it in length today. <laughs> I don't have to repeat it again. What is the meditation on perception? Read the book. <laughs> the whole explanation is given there. There are ten perceptions which I have listed, and those ten perceptions you can see in the Vandana book. There is a discourse called Giri Mananda Sutta. Giri Mananda Sutta. And these ten I have taken from that Sutta and explained in detail in the book. And called is Meditation on Perception. The summary you can see in the book. Uh, uh, 
గిరిమానంద సూత్ర page 184 185 onward okay i am very attached to my loved ones still when one of them is very ill or dies my heart breaks what more should i do i think uh, you are sorrow or lamentation grief of uh, loved one passing away or becoming sick, will stay there until you attain full enlightenment. So, practicing mindfulness of impermanence is a very good temporary measure. We practice it every day. Impermanence of ourselves and everything else around us is impermanent including your loving dog friendly dog and friendly cat and human beings friends relatives all are impermanent when you keep practicing 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 this your mind will be <coughs> very strong sometimes even then you still have some sorrow when you very living person dies i know this from my personal experience when my uh, brother died father died my mother died i felt very sad and uh, even cry in spite of all my knowledge of dhamma all my practice of meditation of course that was that didn't happen when uh, i mean um, didn't happen recently uh, but if it happened now i can control my emotions but those days i could not i cried so this happened to anybody so as we grow mature understanding permanence better then our sorrow grief slowly fade away we had a wonderful dog we all know that uh, we all know how beautiful how friendly faithful dogs are every person's dog is a wonderful dog my dog stayed here for 17 years and uh, he died so it was very sad and decided never to raise dogs anymore are there any danger one should be aware of when practicing jhana meditation no danger at all and if you do it correctly if you messed up your practice by listening to all sort of things and doing all kind of things 
then uh, uh, you don't know what you are doing. We'll get, you get, get confused. The, the, the worst is you get confused. That's all. Otherwise there is no danger. Once one uh, has attained the jhanas, does that become the primary practice? Uh, if you like to have it as a primary practice, that is what is called concentration meditation, uh, you can do that. And also once you attain jhana and master it, it comes to you very, very naturally, easily, without any effort, effortlessly, naturally it comes to you. Then that would be your basic practice and that will be your uh, final practice because that leads to your higher attainment. Could you please repeat the three ways of liberation, emptiness, sunyata? What are the other two? Sunyata, animitta, appanita. Sunyata means emptiness. Animitta means signlessness. Appanimitta it means uh, not establishing any particular place. That is, we see uh, impermanence of everything, then we understand sunyata, that is, no self. Then, when we understand animitta, no sign, there will not be greed. Uh, when you understand appanita, not establishing, there will not be ignorance. So these three, uh, animitta, appanita, sunyata, applied, uh, related to impermanence, unsatisfactoriness and selflessness or anicca, dukkha, anatta. Anatta is sunyata, no self. Dukkha is appanita, no dukkha is animitta, no sign. Then anicca, anicca, dukkha, anatta. No self is in sunyata, that is emptiness. No sign is greed. No establishing is impermanence. Since things are impermanent, there is no place to establish the mind. Please explain this passion versus compassion, uh, indifference. Okay. This passion comes from understanding. <coughs> that comes from uh, uh, what do you call. Uh, uh, 
disenchantment uh, that comes from uh, what we call nibbida. Uh, nibbida. Nibbida means uh, uh, you become dis dispassionate. Nibbida uh, Nibbida is the Pali word, uh, which means when you see the reality exactly as it is, you have a deep understanding, then you will no longer be uh, attached to anything. Uh, non-attachment is nothing, not anything negative. It is just becoming fully aware of what is happening. It is just like when you, when you are a child, you are attached to various kind of toys. When you grow up, you are not attached to any toy, but you are not hating toys. You let children play with toys because that is what they like. You see them playing with toys, but you understand their mentality, you understand why they want to have play toys and so forth, and you stay aloof without becoming attached to the toys. That kind of when you understand things, you are not attached to anything. That is called discussion. So, uh, the compassion is when you see suffering being, compassion arises. That depends on the there's a sort of emotion, very wholesome emotion that arises in mind. Indifference is negative, you just don't care, let anything happen. Uh, that is a negative uh, emotion. You may uh, have no any uh, concern. Uh, indifference is that, but uh, compassion is always when there is suffering beings. You feel your heart melts. You want to do something. That is compassion. I have read that very often stream enterers who either could not or had difficulty in accessing jhanas uh, suddenly could easily access them. After stream entry, have you found this to be true? Uh, I must say, Wherever you read, whoever told you is not correct. That's completely wrong. Once you attain stream entry, you attaining jhana would be very, very good, easy, uh, without any problem you can attain jhana because your three uh, major uh, fetters are completely destroyed and therefore your mind is very 
peaceful calm you have uh, faith endowed with understanding you have perfect morality uh you have faith in the buddha dhamma sangha uh, perfect morality and well very well disciplined and uh, uh, you have no doubt and therefore attaining jnana is very very quick and easy for the stream enterer if you have heard somebody say it is difficult that person does not know what does person talk about do you have a favorite dhamma story about the power of metta if there is time could you tell us let me think about it i'm getting tired i can tell many stories but when i get telling stories it starts Story, telling stories, I will get tired very quickly. So let me finish these things and ask you, the one who asked the question, if I have time, I tell the story. More than one. after we have left the course from course how will we know if we are on the right course or path uh, of course if we experience jnanas but what if we don't if you don't experience jnana practice until you attain it Okay. Would you please repeat the explanation of uh, sustained application of thought uh, and uh, till not uh, I'm not clear on it yet. <coughs> sustained meaning keeping it. Don't lose it. that is sustaining you say sustainable economy uh, is, you know sir you understand the word sustain you keep it maintain it so stay in in, in you that is sustain application what you call applied thought sustain stay with you that is sustain thought means it is not anything different the same applied thought three types i mentioned thought of letting go thought of loving friendliness and thought of compassion these three together uh, called sustain uh, applied thought and these three thought thoughts stay in your mind that is called sustain thought okay for 
positivity sake, will you consider uh, titling your metta book loving friendliness instead of loving kindness? If it is etymologically correct and uh, it uh, clarifies uh, dis- distinction between metta and karuna, actually I have explained it in the book. Wait until it comes out. Although title is the common popular title, but uh, the difference I have explained in the book. If I understand correctly, initial application or sustained application, metta, karuna, uh, dana, uh, letting go, we will, we have uh, activated metta with uh, recitals. How do we activate karuna, uh, dana, letting go during meditation? Letting go is a mental state that you can do in meditation very easily. Uh, Karuna compression you can develop even in meditation, uh, knowing that there are living beings, suffering living beings, and uh, uh, it is very easy once you practice metta for you to practice karuna, uh, compassion because uh, compassion comes out of metta. That means uh, you, on the one hand you wish everybody to be peaceful and happy and so on. On the other, you wish, how can I uh, help as many suffering beings as possible? We can cultivate that thought and even uh, uh, make it active when you are out of meditation and get involved in such activities out of compassion. Okay. Mindfulness-based stress reduction has been an appropriate, uh, no, approachable way for many uh, to gain exposure to Dharma some principles and uh, resource the, uh, reduce the stress. Uh, lay practitioners can be uh, trained to teach it. However, there is a fee uh, structure in uh, most cases to run the course. Is it still okay to do this? If there is uh, money or does it uh, conflict with Dhamma? If money exchange, okay. Well, of course people have to rent places and we have, they have to pay overhead charges and so forth. Uh, perhaps uh, uh, People who are uh, willing to attend it and willing to uh, pay fees and go and learn, uh, 
that will be good. Uh, so they feel uh, uh, something they have gained from this uh, practice. Uh, since they are lay people, uh, they are not supported by donations like us. We are supported by donations and therefore we don't charge. They, lay people cannot do that and therefore they have to charge. So I don't think it is, uh, it is totally wrong. Can those with uh, depression, anxiety or attention deficient uh, uh, deficient disorder uh, use antidepressant, anti-anxiety or uh, stimulant meditations to support them while they uh, practice? Does it uh, violate the fifth precept? <coughs> now, uh, if these medications uh, help them to uh, correct their uh, this mental uh, problems and the mind remains uh, steady, calm, uh, without going to any other, without having any other side effects and so forth. Uh, I think they can do it. It is not violating the precept because uh, they have to take care of their health. Good health, as I mentioned in one of my talks, is absolutely necessary to practice uh, meditation. Uh, meditation alone cannot uh, correct all this uh, mental, sometimes uh, uh, problem that arise from birth. So there has to be some kind of uh, way to correct it so that they can get back to the mainstream and practice uh, meditation. I don't think there's anything wrong in that. Does a vipassana jhana progress through the same four levels as a jhana gained via anapanasati with the same jhanic factors at each level? Yes. Same. Uh, first you gain uh, uh, joy, happiness by practicing vipassana, and then the rest follows exactly like any other way you are practicing jhana. Some teachers recommend uh, generating a feeling of metta within uh, by bringing to mind a time you were very happy or acted with uh, compassion or metta and then being with a wish for yourself, may I be happy, uh, have metta, etc. Do you think uh, this 
good practice. Uh, I think this is a benevolent uh, thought that uh, you have done something very meaningful to help people and you practice metta and uh, by doing so uh, you make others happy. When you think of your action that made others happy, you are happy. Uh, with this happy feeling, uh, you can practice uh, meditation and uh, even practice jhanic meditation. I think that's a good thing, no, nothing wrong in that. This page full of one question, or many questions. I wish people ask questions, brief questions, make the question brief, instead of writing an essay and at the end of the question. That saves a lot of time. Eh? Uh, of um, uh, utmost importance to me is uh, that I am on a path that is onward leading to Nibbāna. Sometimes I feel the Dharma is so profound, I should take steps to be a monk. I feel a great urgency, but it is uh, in part uh, fueled by fear of an uh, eternity lost in samsara. To be honest, at present I would really like to live a lay life guided by the eight for path and shoot for stream entry. There is much more natural uh, motivations to take the lay path, but there is fear on it being inferior to monasticism. I am worried that in lay life I might be more prone to stay in samsara. Is there a way to choose the lay path and still be taking a best onward leading approach to Nibbāna? Yes. Uh, Lay people, even in the time of the Buddha, everybody didn't become monk or nun. There are many lay people practicing and even attaining full enlightenment. Uh, you have to be very serious uh, while living lay life. You have to work a little harder uh, to practice the Noble Eightfold Path. Since the Noble Eightfold Path is the path for both lay, laymen and monastics, and if you undertake that path very seriously, and do it, uh, do your practice uh, very consistently, you certainly can attain uh, stages of enlightenment. There are many stories, many people in the time of the Buddha as lay people who practice and attain enlightenment. So 
Don't hesitate. You are, you have to have fear of samsara if you do not practice. If you practice, you will have no reason to have fear in samsara. Because uh, whether you are monastic or lay people, uh, we follow the same path. Uh, monastics have some uh, more rules and regulations, very strict, and lay people do not have that many. If a monastic commits the same offense that lay person commits, monastic is, uh, commitment is more serious because monastic have undertaken a special precept. Uh, therefore their pra- commitment is very serious. Uh, lay people practice is somewhat easier in a way because they don't observe so many precepts, but they all have to very diligently, sincerely follow the Noble Eightfold Path. I try to finish these questions, although I am quite tired, anyway, try to finish it. The other night you mentioned that one should not uh, use a mantra. Some Theravada Buddhists recommend using the word Buddha with the breath. What do you think about it? To be very honest, sincerely, friends, using the word Buddha itself is not enough. And uh, uh, we have to deepen our understanding. The word Buddha, Buddha, Buddha does not deepen your understanding. And that also would be stimulating your mind to verbalize. When you verbalize and stimulate the mind, gaining concentration would be difficult. And even the Buddha has never recommended anywhere to repeat his name to attain any jhana. He rather wanted us to open our mind to see the reality to attain any attainment, jhana or anything, through understanding. But the word Buddha itself does not open our mind for understanding. And therefore, sometimes, you know, people, uh, without any... they don't know where they go, what they do. They simply throw something into somebody's mind and then they keep repeating it. I would not recommend that. Not that I don't respect the Buddha. My respect for the Buddha is the top on the top. There's nothing more than that. But uh, this repeating the name of the Buddha alone is not enough. Perhaps in order to gain some uh, control of your mind, at the beginning you may do it then, and then, then later on, you got to get in seriously involved in the real serious practice. Nowhere have I ever come across anywhere in Buddhist literature, in the sutras and so forth, where somebody by reciting the word Buddha has attained any stages of enlightenment. Nowhere. 
I may be missing something, I don't know. I have been having very vivid dreams where I am uh, breaking the precept. Also once where uh, horrible things happen to me, I wake up guilty and upset. Is this karmic or just overactive brain activities? I think you gave the answer, overactive brain activities, so don't worry about it. In order to avoid these bad dreams, nightmares, horrible dreams, practice metta. Practice metta. Before go to bed, practice metta. Because when you practice metta, na papa comes supinam pasati. You will never have evil dreams, bad dreams, horrible dreams. And therefore, uh, the only remedy I suggest is practice metta. What is the significance of full moon day and new moon day? Well, full moon days and new moon days in a certain way are significant in relation to the events that have been taken place in the history of Buddhism. Uh, also full moon and new moon in ancient time, especially full moon, were used for people to go to gather in religious places. And uh, I don't know the origin, but those days people were uh, nobles, farmers, uh, and they uh, assembled in some places in full moon night and because the night is very clear, blue sky, moon is shining, they feel very uh, in hot summer days for instance, uh, cool outside, they sit together and discuss various topics, uh, sometimes philosophical, religious uh, topics, those days. They didn't discuss very much science, but philosophical and religious topics they discussed. For that, the farmers, daytime they are very busy working in farms, and night times they are relaxed, whether it is comfortable, they gather together and discuss. And even the Buddha has done this several times. So, other than that, there is no any religious significance. Another thing I must add, on the full moon night, our brain is more active. That is why some people cannot sleep on full moon days, full moon nights. It is related to the moon. And the word sometimes used, I don't know how it happened, you started using, even those who have mental chemical imbalance in the brain are very, very active and their mind becomes very uncontrollably active and they call lunatics because it is related to the moon, luna is the moon. So the moon affects the brain. Moon affects the sea. 
the high tide, low tide uh, also happens during full moons and new moons. These are the general things, but there is no particular religious significance except on full moon day, Siddha Dugotam attained enlightenment. On full moon day he was born, uh, and full moon day he passed away. I think these are coincidence, uh, not anything to do with the teachings of the Buddha or any kind of... I don't think it is a miracle. I don't think so. But it is such a wonderful coincidence that the Buddha was born on full moon day, attained enlightenment on full moon day, and passed away on full moon day. I am very um, sort of down-to-earth person and therefore do not go by so much uh, uh, mystic uh, uh, beliefs. What are the best profession for someone who wants to practice mindfulness consistently? Practice meditation. That's not a job. <laughs> uh, as a job, you can choose any job which is within uh, right livelihood and uh, when you select a job, uh, select one, I don't think it is very easy to select a job to fit your meditation practice, but when you choose a job if possible, uh, try to find some job that allows you to have some free time to meditate. That sometimes is possible. These days it is very easy. You have a computer, work at work at home. Many people work at home. They don't have to commute every day to the office. They work and then they they just have to complete the project and report to the company or the government and have their own free time to meditate. That's a good job. Uh, tomorrow I will take the eight lifetime precepts. Why are four of these related to details and concerns with speech? That is the, the precept people tend to break. Uh, lying, easy to break. They say, if you say, I'm not lying, I just uh, don't want to lie. Somebody who is very, not very, particularly about it, would say, come on, tell a little white lie. It's okay, everybody does it. Don't be silly, don't be so serious, come on. So you have to tell white lie. If you say, I don't drink, 
no, drinking is not a specialized speech. I don't gossip. Come on, have a little fun. Why so serious? So you tell that. And so forth. And harsh speech. Some people are so used to harsh speech, every four words, fourth word in their vocabulary is a harsh word or unpleasant word. Some people are so used to it. And this creates very unpleasant feeling. Uh, they don't make any uh, meaning and therefore since they are very easy to break, uh, they are included in here. Uh, for instance, harsh speech can hurt people. Lies can destroy your honor and dignity and respect. Uh, then uh, uh, divisive speech, you divide people by uh, what you call backbiting, uh, slanderous talk. You hurt people, you divide people's friendship, relationship. And uh, useless speech, gossip. People like to, you know, blah, 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 blah. The Pali word is sampapalapa. Sampapalapa, it is a sort of onomatopoeia. Uh, onomatopoeia. Uh, sampapalapa, you blah, 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 blah. Everybody like to blah, 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 blah. Sampapalapa. Very easy to do. And just wasting time. And that is why they are included. And uh, <coughs> I'm sorry I don't have time to tell the story, <laughs> make the story. Maybe tomorrow. I'm very tired already.